Good morning. If you have a copy of God's Word with you, turn with me to Colossians chapter 4, and we are going to finish our study through the epistle, through the letter to those believers, to the church at Colossae. So Colossians chapter 4, as you are turning there, um, let me just introduce the uh, sermon this way. Some of us like to plan. I mean, we like to plan. We like to put uh, things down in an outline. We have points one, two, and three. We've got uh, A, B, and C under that. We've got little one, two, and three under those. sub, And we just love to plan. And then there's some of us here that we don't know what in the world plan means. We just want to do something. We just, as long as we're doing something, let's just go do that. And so, uh, in the passage today, Paul closes out his letter with those things, with action, with, with let's just go do something, and not just something, but here are some closing words of action for you and for me to be about this week, this life. And the major topic of this action in Colossians chapter 4 is that of prayer. We're going to see prayer spoken of from Paul to those at Colossae, about those at Colossae, and for them to be about that. And every time that I have a passage in front of me that I stand up and I start to preach on prayer, I think and I usually say something along these words. If there's one thing in the Christian life that I personally am convicted about, that I personally need more in my life, it is that of prayer. This week, as I was looking at this passage and others that pertain to it, I was just challenged To look at my prayer life. And I want us to look at our prayer lives this morning. And I want us to be encouraged, yes. But to be challenged. And to act. So here's what Paul states to those at Colossae. Let me get a running start, so to speak. So we will start in chapter 3, verse 17. And he states this. And whatever you do. In word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Wives, submit to your own to your husbands as fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as uh, people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, 
Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. There is no partiality. Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have uh, received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow uh, workers for the kingdom of God. And they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you. And for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and to the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read at the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Let's pray. Father, the closing of this letter. Father, it draws attention to a spiritual discipline, to an aspect of my spiritual life and I believe our spiritual lives that can never be honed in so much to say that we have it all worked out. That we, that I... Father, that I I need more of this, more attention to this in my life, more times with you in prayer. 
God, would you speak to me this morning? Would you make it clear? Would you make it clear for us the aspect of prayer? For Father, it is uh, the Spirit, lifeblood in a believer's life. And it is something that we need. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your son. We ask it in his name. Amen. Closing words of action. Uh, The first aspect or the first point this morning is this. A command to pray is given so that we would be reminded of the desire of our Father, so that we would be reminded of God's desire for you. It's not God's desire for me. It's not God's desire for somebody else. God's desire for you is that you would heed the command to pray. The command given in this passage is to pray. The desire of God the Father is for you and for me to come to Him in prayer often. Here in Colossians, Paul, uh, as Paul seeks to close out his letter, he writes to them remembering to do something that is so very easy yet If I were to ask you to think about your week this past week, to think about Monday, to think about Thursday, to think about any day this week, and to go down through the register of the time on the clock, the time of day, how much did you spend it praying? Five minutes at the beginning, five minutes at the end. Maybe uh, all accumulative, if there were prayers around the meal, five more minutes, 15 minutes out of 24 hours. Often we forget it, often we flippantly speak of it in passing. I'll pray for you. You're going to the doctor, I'll, I'll pray for you. And I don't know how many times I have Stated that and forgotten. I got a doctor's appointment on Tuesday. Pray for me. I'll pray for you. It's Sunday before noon. That's two days from now. So you know what I've started doing? When somebody asks me to pray for them, I will stop right there and I will pray with them right there. And I go to my phone and I put it in. All right, Tuesday at 10 with a reminder to pray. What is prayer? I remember reading a story about D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was a, uh, an evangelist of yesteryear, and he found himself over in Scotland. And as he was there, he uh, was doing a number of revivals in the evenings, And during the daytime, he would go to the grade schools, and he started a a message in the grade school. They had all the kids there in one assembly, and he started the message uh, with a rhetorical question. 
the question was this, what is prayer? And 250, 300 students were there, and every single one of them raised their hand. And he's like, oh, wow, maybe they know the answer to this. It was kind of a rhetorical question. I was going to talk about this. And so he called out one of the um, young guys, young male students, and here's what this student stated. He promptly stood up and said, Prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God in the name of Christ, by the help of His Spirit, with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of His mercies. That's what prayer is. Now, most of us here probably have never heard that definition of prayer, but that is answer number 78 to the Westminster Catechism of Christianity. And there are dozens of those questions. And the question is, what is prayer? And that is the answer to one of those questions. And that is why every single one of those kids, because they grew up in homes, they grew up in schools that taught it. And Moody's response was this. Be thankful, son, that you were born in Scotland. What is prayer? When you think of prayer, what do you think of? John Piper stated it this way on prayer. He said, prayer is asking things of God. And I know when I heard that, and he goes on and he clarifies it in some of his works, he says it's not that, hey, we're asking stuff. It's not for objects. It's not for, for this or that. But that is what prayer is. It is asking things of God. Another commentator stated it this way, uh, prayer, to, to occupy oneself diligently with or to pay uh, persistent attention to the steadfast aspect of prayer. It's us going to the Father and us asking and corresponding and communicating with Him. In the latter sense, prayer is the most common single object of this verb in all of the New Testament. That we are to steadfastly, we are to continually, we are to be devoted to this in our lives. Prayer is talking with God. Prayer is essential to the spiritual life of the believer. And I believe in this passage we will see seven aspects of this command of prayer. The first is that it is commanded. It's something that you and I are to be doing. There is no reason for you and or for me not to do it. It's commanded here. It's an imperative that Paul urges, that he challenges, that he commands the people at Colossae to be about. If you look in Matthew chapter 6, you will see Jesus commanded. When you pray, when you pray, in Luke chapter 11 he commands it. Prayer for the believer is commanded. Not only do we see that it's commanded, 
But you see that God wants you to do it. He desires for you and he desires for me to come to him. The God of the universe wants to talk with you. Is there anybody more important for you to have a conversation with, for me to have a conversation with, for us to spend time with? He desires for us to pray and to communicate with him It is needed for you and for me to live spiritually. I jumped ahead of myself a little bit, but we spoke, I spoke of steadfast, persistence, devotion. That's what's here. Continue steadfastly, continue um, devoted, persistently in prayer, being watchful. In it with thanksgiving. What are you devoted to? Who are you devoted to? Family members? We devoted to a job. Some of us are devoted to leisure. Some of us are devoted to a sitcom or a TV show. We won't miss those. Paul says for you and for me that we are to be devoted to prayer. When I think about that, of what we're devoted to, I went to a funeral this week. And um, at the funeral, right before the family was there and the minister who was going to do the funeral was there. There was a couple of friends in a, in a room to the side. And, and they just all started laughing because they knew the person that had passed away. And he had said something um, that everybody remembered. And it was an aspect of what he was devoted to and who he was devoted to. And they just all laughed. And I thought, they remembered him. Because that's not just something that he said one time. That's something that he said every day or every week or every month. And to every single person. There's probably 12 to 15 people in that circle as we were about to pray and uh, go into this funeral. That they remembered he was devoted to that. What are you devoted to? Paul says for us to be devoted To prayer. Jesus' disciples asked Jesus in Luke chapter 11 these words. Now when Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And when he had said to them, and he said to them, excuse me, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and have nothing set before him. And he will answer from within. Do not bother me. The door is shut. My children are, in, uh, are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, 
though he will not get up and give you anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Some translations there in verse 8 say his persistence or his continual asking. I tell you, ask. And it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks received. And the one who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be open. What father among you of his son asks for a fish. Will instead of a fish give him a serpent. Or if he asks for an egg will give him a scorpion. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Persistence. Prayer is action. You, you and I might think of prayer not being action. It may be... Due, it may be something, alright, we just open the day, we close the day, it's something that, that we're supposed to do. But... Honestly, prayer is war, and it is action in a time of war. Paul told the folks in Ephesus as he was closing out that letter, the kids just got back from camp a couple of weeks ago, and we were looking at this passage, and we were looking at the armor of God, and here's what it states. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as the shoes of your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication that the end, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in an opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. It is action. Don't think that you're biding your time to be about the, the part of the battle, to be in the, in the war, to be there as a soldier of His. You are there now. Pray. Spending time with Him conversing with Him, talking with Him, is a part of your life and my life. A fifth aspect of this command to pray is that of thanksgiving. Don't do it grudgingly. All right, I've got to spend my time. Don't do it like a legalist does it. All right, I've got to set aside from 6 to 6.30 to pray. Don't do that. I mean, the God of the universe wants to spend time with you. It should be something that you desire to do. Do it with thanksgiving. The things that you're asking of, do it with thanksgiving. Knowing that everything that has been given or will be given to you is coming from Him. Prayer is, sixth, is interceding with others. Verse 3, or interceding for others. 
Verse 3 states this at the same time. Pray also for us that God may be op- that God may open a door to us for the word. Stephen stood up here just a moment ago and he thanked all of us for praying for the team that just got back from Thailand. They went to a, uh, a country that is a dark place for Christianity right at the moment. They went to a place that has a number of rocks in the field of those lives that need to hear the gospel, that needed to be removed. How are they removed? They're removed by prayer. They're removed by God moving in the hearts and the lives of those. And we, most of us here, didn't get on a plane to leave Mississippi to go to Thailand two plus weeks ago. But we had the opportunity, we took the opportunity to pray for those that did, who went out from us for the sake of the gospel. We interceded for them, we prayed for them, we prayed for those that they would come in contact with so that those 35 plus people that had never heard the name of Jesus got to hear it in the vernacular, in the tongue, in the slang of Mississippi, Jesus. You had that opportunity. We had that opportunity. We took that opportunity to pray for them so that when they did hear the name Jesus, something would click. What an awesome, awesome answer that they were in church today. Father, may that continue. May you continue to draw them to you. We intercede for others. We need to intercede on behalf of others. Sometimes praying for others is physical, and so we've, we've, we're sick, and so we pray for somebody. They're, they're going into surgery. We pray for somebody. They're going through a tough time with their job, so we're praying for somebody. But more than that, there needs to be spiritual A spiritual aspect to prayer when you intercede for someone, just as what Paul says to those at Colossae, pray for me. Why? Not because I've been stoned, not because I've been run out of this town or that town, not because my back is hurting because of where they've beaten me, not because I'm in chains today. Pray for me for what reason? So that when I speak the gospel, it would be clear. Pray for me. Pray for me when I have the opportunity to talk to somebody that when I talk to them, it would be clear. Yesterday, I met a lady named Jean and um, had the opportunity to talk to her for just uh, a few minutes in my day. And I was like, you know what? Jean needs to hear about Jesus. I'm going to have the opportunity again maybe in the next week to talk to Gene. Tuesday, I have the opportunity to go and talk with a struggling church planner who is in a tough spot. Whose people are, let's just say, not being Christian. Pray. You're going to come in contact with folks. Paul asked for them to pray for him, to intercede for him, so that every time that he opened his mouth, that he would be able to declare the mystery of Christ and it would be clear. 
final aspect of this command that I want us to think about is this. Pray first. How many times have you come to the decision and you've tried everything that you know to do? You, you have worked and worked and you have sweated and you have um, done everything and you are at the end of your rope and then you turn to God. If we were honest, we'd all raise our hands. Pray first. Go to him first. Does that mean that you don't work? No, that means you're probably going to work more. But go to him first instead of last. Stephen alluded to it in the announcements. Uh, it's been titled it First Call. The first of every month. We are going to get together, have the opportunity to get together as a church to come here and just pray. Pray for the church. Pray for the, the work that God's called us to. Pray for the vision that he has given us to see that come to fruition. And so the first of July will be the first time that we have that opportunity or we take that opportunity. And the first of every month, no matter the day, 7 o'clock, we will have the doors open Wanting you to come join with us to pray first. You say, Brian, why are you doing it first? Well, because I've been reading the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers talks about the tithe. The book of Numbers talks about bringing all these things first to God. And so there's not a day before the first of the month. So let's just do it on the first. The task that's at hand, point number two, is declaring the mystery of Christ. Back in chapter 1, Paul um, opened with this. Paul introduced this aspect to those at Colossae, a, a people that he had never seen before, that he probably would never see because he's in chains and they are not in Rome. But he states, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. I rejoice a few verses down. I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. And in my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery Hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Pray also for me that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. That's why I'm in prison. 
Remember today why you're here. Not just here, but while why you still have air in your lungs. While you're inhaling, while you are exhaling, it is for this sake that you and I would proclaim the mystery just as Paul did. Paul knew the reason why he was in the place where he was. Why he was in prison, why he was beaten, why he was stoned, why he was slapped, why he was ridiculed, why he was slandered. It's all because of the events that took place in Acts chapter 9. Where he saw Jesus outside of Damascus that day and it changed his life, it changed his eternity. And immediately following that, he had scales on his eyes and Ananias was spoken to by God and God said, Ananias, go to um, this house on Straight Street. Every time I read that, I've stood on Straight Street. It is not straight. (laughs) Just like a lot of people who are called uh, shrimp or junior, they're, they're, they're big. It is not straight. It is the, I don't know if this is proper English, it is the crookedest street in Damascus, and I was there for four days walking the streets of Damascus, and it is crooked. I guess that's why it got its name. Go to Straight Street, and you will find Paul, and here's what he says. Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer. For the sake of my name. It's not just that he was going to suffer. But it was the reason why he was suffering. It was the reason being that it was the mystery. Of the name of Jesus Christ. Paul was saved and now he was on. He was God's to bring thousands. And even to this day millions of people to Christ. The mystery was disclosed, it was shown, and it was told in their day. It's still shown, even today. The task that you have when you get up and walk out those doors in just a moment, the task that I have this week is to proclaim the name of Jesus. That's the only reason that you and I are still here. Would we take serious that? Would we understand the urgency? The urgency to do it. Paul has some final greetings. He says, let your speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. And final greetings to people that are... Somewhat footnotes from Tychicus to Onesimus to Epaphras to Aristarchus to Demas who later goes away from the gospel seeking to become rich by the things of this world. But Paul says, hey, all these things, folks, all these people, they're praying for you. They're, they're walking with me. They're your hands and your feet for me right here in Rome. They're helpers. And when I look at 
All of you on these rows, you are helpers for the gospel to not only just be shown once and not again, but to continue to be shown in those that you come in contact with because of what God has done in you. Paul closes and he says, hey, I write this whole thing. I write this greeting in my own hand. It's me. And it's done out of love for you. May you take the challenge this morning from me, your pastor, to understand the reason that you're here. To pray for me, to pray for one another, to spend time with the Father, to be about sharing this great mystery with those named Gene or John or any other name. That you come in contact with this week. You are challenged. You're going to see people that I won't see. You're going to have the opportunity to talk to people that I, they wouldn't give me the time of day. A quote, end quote, professional. You have the opportunity to live in front of them like I never would. Never will. They need to see Jesus in you. Would we take this challenge this morning? Heavenly Father, I bow before you. Impress on my heart to continue. Father, to continue to be challenged by your word. The aspect of prayer. Father, to know the importance of it. Father, give me, give us the spiritual wisdom to, to know the difference between being parched and dry spiritually and that of being flooded and refreshed because of time that we've spent with you. And Lord, to yearn, to long for those times of refreshment. Father, we are... Here, we are yours. We have, those of us who know you as Savior and Lord, we have bowed the knee and said we will obey. Father, draw us back to you. Give us boldness. Remind us that you've already given us a spirit of boldness to proclaim the excellencies of your Son. time of response for every single one of us, whether in the seat, up here talking with me, or at the front bowing, the time of response is here for you to respond to what God has spoken in His Word in Colossians and Acts and all of Scripture would you take this time as we stand and as we sing to to obey.